0: Hello and welcome to the 17th episode of the Swedish Winger. I'm your host, Lars. And on this episode, I'm going to run through how it's going for the Swedish draft picks of the Detroit Red Wings. I will go as far back as the 2019 draft and I'll stick to the Swedish players and one Austrian who are still playing in Sweden. So I won't be talking about Albert Johansson and, and those, uh, or Jonathan Berggren for example. I'll stick with the the players playing in J20 leagues, um, SHL and Hockey Allsvensk. So let's begin with, uh, well he's pretty much the longest of shots now to ever make it to to the US. And, uh, well again rather, and that's Albin Greve. We picked him uh, 66th overall in round three in 2019. And as I've stated before, he had a massive run of bad luck. In a way also marred by, by some poor decisions. Like when he decided to go to Saginaw instead of just leaving New gordon for another Swedish team. But I guess that's also a bit of bad luck since it was the COVID season that ended everything for him there. Um, he's playing in Mora now in Hockey Allsvenskan. He has played, well, 12 games and has 5 points. And he's injured. He has had plenty of injuries, well, pretty much every ever since he started playing on, at, at senior levels. He's been unlucky with injuries. And I think you could say, I mean, when we saw him play in the World Juniors, and when he got drafted there was a lot of hype around him uh, he was great in interviews he was talking about how he was modeling his game after brad marchand he went under the nickname t-rex because he was on the top of the food chain in the world juniors and such but i fear that he might have found his level of play now in the um, Hockey hokja svenska which, which is the the second tier of uh... hockey in sweden so if he ever makes it over to the AHL or the NHL, it's one hell of a story. I really, really doubt he will. He is 21 now, so fair enough. He's not old, but he's not like running show in Hockey svenskan It's rather that he's he's a second or third liner in Hockey svenskan He's a useful player there, but... It's not like you hear a lot of talk about him going to different clubs or or moving up in the system. So that's a guy, I think, as a Red Wings prospect, that's kind of over. From the 2020 draft, we have two players who haven't, two Swedes rather, that haven't moved to the uh, North American side of the world yet. Uh, Lucas Raymond being the one who's traveled and done well, but William Alinder and Theodor Niederbach, who are both playing in Rögle now, together with Marco Casper. So I think I'll I'll run through William Molinder and Theodor Niederbach, and I'll, I will pick Marco Casper when we get to him. So I was watching the uh, Brynäs Rögle game today, uh, live, at Gavle Rinken, and um, William molinda is way more than advertised. He is so good, he's positionally sound, his defensive play has come a long way since the draft. Uh, It's come a long way since last year even. He's a very solid defender. Skill-wise, he's like if you take Albert Johansson and you uh, take parts of him and take parts of Simon Edvinsson, you might just end up with a William Valinder. Now, I do think that both Simon Edvinsson and Albert Johansson are a little bit better at the skills they are really good at, but William Malindre is very well-rounded for a, a D-man. He's big, he's mobile, he's very good with breaking up plays with his stick, and um, I enjoyed watching him. He runs the first power play for, for Rögle, and he has been doing well. He's played 15 games now, and he has 11 points, which is very good, and four of those are goals, and seven are assists, and... Um, I've been watching him quite closely as I've been watching Rögle the whole season. It's not my favourite team by any stretch of the imagination but since they have been pretty much taking the mantle from, from Lunda as the go-to team to watch Red Wings prospects I'd say I've, I've seen a fair bit of them and uh, William Wallinder stands out as the best defender in the team. They did sign a Czechian national team D-man today, who is, I think his last name is Klok, K-L-O-K, which might cut in a bit into uh, Valinder's minutes and uh, such, but uh, they might also be a pair eventually, so we'll see what happens there, but looking at William Valinder, there's really nothing negative to say, he's doing very well, and all the warts everybody was talking about when he was drafted, that he was a bit of a gung-ho type going forward, not really being sound defensively, and sometimes losing the puck in dangerous areas, because he was making risky passing in his own zone and such. You see almost nothing of it. its um, He's a joy to watch. I mean, he he skates like Simon Advinson and, and Victor Hedman. For big man, he moves so smoothly. He has the vision. He has pretty much everything you could want for from a defender. We'll see how it translates. I think he'll come over next year. I can imagine him having much to prove. If it's that, that's the reason he should stay in the SHL. He plays the most out of all the defenders in the with a an average of 21 minutes and 57 seconds, so 22 minutes a game and runs the first power play so now I like what I see and I have really nothing nothing negative to say about William Molinder or William Molinder as we call him in Sweden but then we have Theodor Niederbach and uh, if everything is rosy when you talk about William Molinder Theodor Niederbach is a whole nother chapter I'd say I mean last season he left Frölunda after last season where he played 51 games and had 16 points and an average ice time of uh, about 10 and a half minutes and he wanted more ice time he wanted to develop so he signed with rögle a signing i wasn't too positive with to start because rögle is a team that is very solid at the center position they have really good centers and you have that feeling that Marco Casper would be their young center going forward. So in 15 games now, uh, Theodor Niederbach has one goal for a grand total of one points. And in 15 games, he has nine shots on goal and an average time on ice on 7 minutes and 19 seconds. I saw him play a little bit more today. And um, Rögle played the poor game. They They are not playing well. They are, they are struggling in the standings, and when I look at them, I see a team that's pretty much stuck on the perimeters. The only one who's really crashing the net and making a ruckus is, is Marco Kasper. But we'll get to him. Theodor Niederbach was a player I was really looking for him when he was on the ice, and it's pretty much that nothing happens around him. Fair enough, he's not playing. A lot of minutes and he's not playing with the best players but i have no idea what what's happened it feels like like he well he hasn't been playing much so now that he got the chance to play he's naturally he's gonna be rusty but from what i saw today i think we have a problem here because it, it wasn't impressive fair enough he might be rusty but when he moved to Rögle, my idea was that they're going to play him on the wing somewhere, possibly on the third line, and he's, like, right now, the extra attacker most of nights. He's He doesn't feel close to a spot on the team, and now that he's playing, he's playing about eight minutes a game. That's not going to help him develop much. Yeah, sure, he'll, devel- he'll develop by... By aging and and becoming stronger and such, but he's not playing enough to really take steps. That that's my 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 view on it at least. So it's kind of it doesn't feel great. I've had high hopes for Theodor Niederbach, and in a way, it feels like I have to moderate those a bit. I would say if he doesn't start playing way more or switch his team to a team that that more or less makes him an, an important player so he, he can make room for himself uh, and and develop. I think I would say he's a long shot to make it to the NHL at this moment because he doesn't have the, um, the opportunities in Rögle. And when I saw him play, I mean, he skates well, he, he moves well, he, he tries to make plays, but there's just nothing there. It's, uh, he gets so few shifts... And uh, so little time, so... Unless they are really banking on having him as the replacement young center for next year... I think um, going to Rögle was a a really big mistake. He he should have gone to a, a, in quotations, a worse team to play more... And develop in in hard situations where you play hard uh, opponents... And you have to work for everything. Now it's like he gets tossed in like one or two th- two shifts per period, and then you don't see him. And when he gets to play, he's rusty, and nothing much happens. So, oh, I don't know. It doesn't look good. I'm I'm a bit worried. From the uh, 2021 draft, we have Liam Dovenilson, who is doing pretty much what Theodor Niederbach did last year in Frialunda. He's he has played 18 games so far. He's been scratched for some games, I think. He had he had some games where he had zero minutes, but I think he was dressed for them. So in 18 games, he has one goal and three assists for four points. Uh, on average, he has seven minutes and 28 seconds, and he managed 14 shots and goals. He has been used as a left winger, mostly. I've seen him play center maybe once, and... Um, Considering he's doing the same thing Théodore Niederbach did last year, and he is a year younger, fair enough. He might need some more some more ice time as well. But um, it's the Frelunda way of developing players. It worked for uh, Lucas Raymond, so I'm not sure right now if he's in the right spot or not. But he gets to play, he's in games, he doesn't play that much. But it's at least about eight minutes a game, basically every game. So he's not shining by, by any stretch of the imagination. He's not like kicking in any doors anywhere, but it's looking decent. I like his um, tenacity. I would put him ahead of Theodor Niederbach if I were to rank the the two. I think uh, Liam Dove is a more complete player. He has better skating. He's a quicker player. He moves his feet more. So I I like what I see, but it's again, it's the Frelunda way way of developing players. And who am I to argue, considering how many players they've sent to the NHL, but the low ice time isn't sexy. It doesn't make make me go like, wow, he's really doing stuff like getting ready. But I do think he'll have... A year or two before he's even to be considered for going over to the the North American League, so we'll see. What is there else to say about him? I think we should draft his brother. That's for sure. He's doing great. I'll bring him up. His name is Noah Dovenilson. Naturally, I'll bring him up when we are closer closer to looking at prospects. But so far, so good. Um, I think we have something in Liam Dovenilson that we might have lost in Theodor Niederbach but he, at least he's playing and he's playing seven eight minutes every every night and he's not old so it's looking decent that's where i'd put it he's he's looking decent so and this brings us to the latest draft which is the 2022 draft and i'll start from the the later rounds going back towards the top then so We have Maximilian Kilpinen, who we selected with the 129th pick in round four. He's registered as a center or left winger. And I can honestly say I have only seen like one highlight of his play. So he's not making any waves. He's playing for the Örebro J20 in the national uh, J20 league, which is the uh, primary developmental league for juniors in Sweden and all the SHL players are, well, all the SHL teams are putting their juniors through that that system. And in 20 games, he has seven goals and eight assists for 15 points. Like I said, I have no idea, but he's not making much waves. You don't hear much about him. So I think we could say he's on the developmental path that Odebru has designed for him, and we'll see if he eventually becomes an SHL player. He hasn't gotten any SHL time so far this year. The other Swede picked in 2022 was Anthony Wasson, a defender that shoots right, big guy at 6'4, 193 centimeters, and uh, he has been called up as the seventh defender. For a couple of games with Lexan in the SHL, but he has primarily played in the J20, same as Maximilian Kilpinen. Uh, In the J20, he has um, 16 games played, four goals, five assists, for a grand total of nine points, and he also, in 16 games, has 72 penalty minutes, which I find a bit intriguing. I'm not entirely sure why. But I think we can smell one or two match penalties in here. Maybe three, even. So, um, that's him. I saw him play uh, a bit, but can't say I've seen a lot. I saw him play in the preseason, and I saw him play one shift, I think, for Lexand on TV. So, um, he has the the hockey family heritage. Uh, His cousin is Alexander Van Barry, who plays for Seattle Kraken, I think. And his father is Thomas Johansson, who is a U-Gordon legend, but is now the general manager for Lexan where, where Anton plays. So, what I've seen from him, primarily from what I saw in the preseason games, is that he, like all the uh, Iserman, D-Man, well, big D-Man draft picks, is that he skates well. He kid has something, I can see why they drafted him. He's very raw, but in the same mold as William Wallinder. In terms of, you can see that there's something there, but you have to follow some kind of path to see where it goes. His development will be an interesting follow, because, I mean, if everything falls into place, he is a big right-shooting D-man with uh, hockey acumen in his family. So, I find him intriguing, but I wouldn't say rock my world so that brings us to the last and probably what you might call the honorary swede in uh, marco casper i saw him play today and i've seen him play as i'm live today and i've seen him play live a couple of times and i've seen him plenty on tv and um, it's hard to describe how he plays i would say i would liken him to tyler Bertuzzi, but if Tyler was more skilled and a center, Marco Casper is an ordinary type player. He's always in the mix. He's always in the shoving matches. He's hated by his opponents. Same thing today when you when I watch the uh, the Rugby game. Every time there was some some scuffle after the the whistle or some kind of argument or pushing and shoving Marco Casper was was there if he was on the ice he was always there and you could see like when you watch a game there's so much stuff that happens in the game that you don't see if you watch it on tv but when the puck is in the other end you can see how often the the other players are there to slash him on his feet and on his legs because they want to show him how much they dislike how he plays He gets in their faces. He he really ruffles some feathers. He finishes hits. He's an energetic player. And he has skill. I mean, there was a lot of talk before about how he was lacking offense. But if you look at his play this season, he has 15 games played. 3 goals, 7 assists. um, For a grand total of uh, 10 points. But he's also a plus 11. And I know that's a shit stat. But you can read out read into one thing that he's playing on a struggling team yet somehow he's on the plus side of the plus minus which i would say indicates that good shit happens when marco casper is on the ice which means that's kind of interesting he's also not drawing as many penalties as he has been before he's on six minutes right now so three penalties and 36 shots on goal What's also interesting is that he's uh, averaging 16 and a half minutes. Last last couple of games, I would say he's been closer to 18, maybe 19 even. And he plays as advertised, but he has the offense that many people, many expert in quotation marks, said he didn't have, but he does. And um, if you look at last season, he had, oh, I don't know, 46 games uh, seven goals four assists for 11 points and in the playoffs he had six points in 13 games he has taken a huge stride i've i've seen him since he started playing for rögle in in the shl i was he was one of the guys i wanted the red wings to pick so um he's developing fast and it's going straight up it's looking great so He's a guy that really impresses me every time I see him play. He's so complete as a player and as a forward. You can see he's constantly moving his legs. He's never, ever still. The only time he's still is when he is face-washing someone. He's finishing hits. He's solid offensively and defensively. If you take Dylan Larkin and morph him with... Tyler Bertuzzi and sets him as a center. That's Marco Casper. I think Marco Casper will be a solid first C or second C, depending on. Well, basically, you can run him as as you. You have two lines that are both a one A, one B option, and the one's going the best for the day plays the most. I mean, you could have a a Bertuzzi larkin raymond line and then you have uh, a casper and whoever's on the wing line as a 1b 1a 1b option so that's my run through of how it's going for the swedish and one austrian prospect in sweden right now i hope you enjoyed it i did get some questions on twitter might also might as well get twitter questions while twitter's there right one of them was about leo Carlson which i've spoken about but i will speak on again later on when i start diving into prospects but um, the other one was from r smith bunch of numbers and i thank you for the question but i can't remember your numbers but that was about niederbach and i think i've answered those points um, well that question during the podcast another thing that was fun that i enjoyed was that i asked On uh, October the 11th, I asked the question on Twitter, who will finish with more points, Detroit Red Wings or Buffalo Sabres? And I had 154 votes where Red Wings won that, well, questionnaire with uh, 91.6%. The reason I was asking that question was that I don't think we are as good as people think we are. And that hot start has gone to a couple of our fellow fans' heads. I don't think we're a lottery team. Well, I do think we're a lottery team. I don't think we're a wildcard team. And I definitely don't think we're a playoff team. But as I stated before, I think we might be a team that's a little bit harder to beat. But not that hard to beat. We're taking strides forward. And I think everybody can see that we're better. But so has Buffalo. And uh, looking at Buffalo... I think they're slightly ahead of us, not by much, but slightly. And um Tate Thompson, Rasmus Dalin, Owen Power. The only thing that's different or really like sets the two teams apart are the goaltending where they are getting amazing goaltending from goalies that no one thought could do that while we are getting Possibly league average goaltending from league average goalers. So the thing is that on November 1st I asked that question again. And that's the day after we got our shit kicked out of us by the Buffalo Sabres. And uh, I asked then who will finish with the more points. And 161 votes compared to the 154 before. And the Buffalo Sabres won that vote with 67.1%. So... In about three weeks, the Red Wings went from 91.6 percent to 32.9 percent, which kind of shows how fickle we are as fans, and also how quick we are to latch on to the any modicum of success that this team has. But I think we're doing it. Most of us are doing it with like good intentions, if if that's the word I'm looking for. I don't know, but. We are so starved for success now that we'll, we'll latch on to anything. But I reckon that we need to keep calm and carry on. We're not really there yet. Just take the the wins and the successes and the development of our young guys uh, as for what it is, that we're moving forward slowly but steadily. Iserman is not building a team quickly and he inherited a team that was really poorly built filled with really bad contracts so where he started was not from a great spot right so um, we'll get there eventually for sure so that's all i had for today Uh, i hope you enjoyed it i'll try to be more frequent with my podcasting but i'm also working a lot And it's kind of intense at work now with, well, what's called grading papers. So um, I'll try to be more, more productive on the podcasting front when I can. So until next time, see you around.